0: All right, so continuing on this, this theme of wise action, Dan talked very beautifully about the exploration and the practice of wise action, how we can consider carefully what it is that these particular areas to be aware of, I guess I would say. I don't even want to say, you know, precepts or restrictions or rules, it's really not like that but what what engagement with that might look like and how it feels. And I wanted to expand that notion into well, what are the results of doing that? And what are some of the fruits of wise action? So to do that I want to introduce um, an image that some people have found useful. It's to think about we're talking about karma here, right? Dan mentioned that, is to think of it as a planting of seeds. And um, you may have heard this before, it's a fairly common analogy for karma, but I like it because it offers um, some notion of the flexibility of karma. We're very um, literal minded here in the West and we tend to have ideas of ledger books and you know, an eye for an eye and if I do this, there's going to be a particular result that comes from that. It's an abstract idea. When you do this, this result happens. It's more subtle than that. When you plant a seed, what happens? Well, you know, generally a plant will grow and the, the fruit that that plant produces has to be what comes from that seed. You can't get bananas from an apple seed. So there are, you know, there are rules, but What happens to an apple seed when you plant it depends a lot about what kind of soil you planted it in. Did you put it in the sun or the shade? Did you water it? Did you use fertilizer? Did you keep the weeds away and the insects? All of that has a big effect on what happens with that seed. And so, you know, we can think of, if we start putting our actions more into that kind of model in our minds, it's helpful. We're planting seeds that will have certain results, certainly, pleasant or unpleasant, toward suffering or away from suffering. But essentially what we're doing when we plant a seed is initiating a process. We initiate a process in doing that. And so as we do our actions and set our intentions, we initiate a process. And what does that do in our mind and body? It grows into having a certain experience. That's the fruit of of intentions and karma, is that we have a different, some particular experience later. Maybe a big one, maybe a small one, may come in certain ways, but we're aiming toward that and then the details get worked out through many causes and conditions that we can't understand. So we do karmic actions on the path that will yield as fruit a certain way of experiencing the world. And as we travel the path, I think we can see this. Even if you've been on the path for, since the beginning of this program, just a few months, or if you're a 20, 30 year practitioner, your way of experiencing the world changes, doesn't it? Based on various things that you've done. From the simplest thing (coughs) of, you know, oh, I, I waited before I made that cutting remark that I would have normally just said, well, that's a different experience. And it came from some earlier intention bearing fruit in that moment that you could wait had enough mindfulness. So this, I think, is what wise attention is attempting to capture. It's giving hints about wise action, I'm sorry, is attempting to capture is if we behave in these ways. Coming from these intentions right wise intention happens right before the ethics steps on the path Then we are planting seeds to have different kinds of experiences in the future and these are the ones that Is suggested will lead away from suffering and then we verify that in our own experience That was what Dan said about aligning ourselves with Ways that are going to bear fruit. Yeah Can you speak just a little bit about that? I can. Um, I could even use the microphone um, but sometimes, thank you for the reminder, I am capable of speaking louder like this and sometimes as I uh, turn a little bit inward myself, my voice will drop so I will be more mindful of that. So I wanted to mention some fruits of wise action. They're all interrelated so I don't take them too much as like separate items but There are different facets of uh, what we're cultivating. So the first could be called something like non-regret. And this is meant to be straightforward. You may feel like you have nothing but regrets (laughs) as soon as you've looked at your actions. Um, But that's just a perception, actually. So the precepts are these, these things that Dan pointed toward of not killing, stealing, or committing sexual misconduct. These are practical. I mean, they're very practical, and they're meant to be completely achievable. Maybe we don't do it 100%. Let's not get into perfectionism. But with a little effort and mindfulness and ongoing attention to how we live, this is meant to be something that we can feel good about, actually. The precepts are not always convenient, um, but they're definitely not impossible to follow. And then we can rightfully feel no regret for our actions. That's okay. Westerners, however, do tend to be especially perfectionistic. We tend to take the precepts to extremes and kind of hold ourselves to impossible standards. But remember that the root of of these wise actions is the intention of non-harming. And there is harm in holding ourselves to something that's not humanly achievable. Where's the kindness in that? So we learn, especially through attempting to do them, hopefully we will run up against any tendencies we have toward this kind of harshness and perfectionism and instead find that middle ground where we are paying attention to our actions, we are making effort, We are exploring more and more deeply what is meant by them without this uh, whip being held over us. Sometimes uh, these are altered to make them sound very noble and lofty. Um, Like for example saying that taking what is not given refers to committing no harm against Mother Earth at all. this can be useful as, a, as a, an aspiration, in a sense. But if you have a certain kind of mind, it becomes very easy to then think that driving your car is immoral. Um, and again, is that helpful? So it kind of renders a, a fairly straightforward, uh, inviting kind of standard to make to making it an impossible standard. We have to be careful about that. So the precepts are meant to increase our confidence, believe it or not. They really can be done. And so, and why are they meant to increase our confidence? So that we can take on the greater challenges that come from concentration, wisdom, and insight practices. They're setting us up for the development, the deeper development of the mind in the um, concentration steps of the path. And then we'll circle around, and once we've seen a little bit more clearly through our meditation practice, then we'll circle around and realize, oh, I could, I could go deeper on these precepts. So, as Dan pointed out, they become um, amazingly deep as we look further and further into the roots of harming that we have, but we don't take that on all at once. We take it on step by step. From a foundation of non-regret, from our level of understanding, we proceed to the other steps of the path and then refine. The Buddha said in the, I'll quote from it later, but there's a sutta where he talks about the the non-regret, and he says explicitly that this teaching is for people who are engaged with sensual pleasures. That means us. (laughs) So that's a general term for non-monastics, is people who are engaged with sensual pleasures. And he says that non-regret is one of the fruits that they can expect at the appropriate time. And so we should consider this very achievable for us. I deliberately said that one first because the next fruit that I want to talk about is something like purification. And so, before your mind takes that to the perfectionism and the you know, whip on the back, um, remember that. Remember the first one of of proceeding, you know, to to do things that are completely achievable. So it's quite natural. I'm now talking in terms of purification about this um, this karmic flow that we get into with the wise action. When we have a wholesome intention in the mind, at that moment it is not possible to simultaneously have the opposite, unwholesome intention. That may sound really, really basic, and it is. If you have, at this moment, a thought of metta, you are not having a thought of ill will. Have you considered that? At this moment you are not killing, (laughs) and then therefore you are contributing something to the Uh, the realm of non-killing. So, the more that we fill our mind with good intentions, whenever we happen to remember, every hour when our watch beeps or whatever, um, then the less opportunity there is for there to be the unwholesome intentions, which tend to lead to actions that are leading toward harm. So when the garden is filled with flowers, there's no room for weeds, basically. And step by step, um, it goes that way. It's totally natural. You would not believe the mind's ability, or maybe you would, <laughs> the mind's ability to think that you can actually do this practice, engage to your best ability in wise action, engage to your best ability in setting wise intentions, and still terrible things are going to come, and you're not going to get make any progress. It's not possible, but apparently the Buddha knew that the mind can do this, so here's a quote. Suppose someone should speak in this way. I have practiced, cultivated, and made much of compassion, yet cruelty remains having pervaded my mind. Have you ever had a thought like that? Such a one should be told, do not say this. Why is that? It is impossible. It cannot be that cruelty remains pervading the mind of one who has practiced, cultivated, and made much of compassion. That is an impossibility. This is the release from all cruelty, namely compassion." So every moment that we remember to incline toward compassion, we are weakening cruelty. The mind can't help but be purified. Sorry, that's how it goes. (laughs) <laughs> so, check, you know checking in your own experience, of course, is this the case? So over time, when we choose not to kill, steal, or commit sexual misconduct, the mind has progressively more momentum toward non-harming and less momentum toward harming. It has to be that way. So the next fruit proceeding from this, is ease and joy. <laughs> the precepts are meant to be about ease and joy. <laughs> so, you know, not surprisingly, a mind that is inclined toward non harming is a pretty nice place to live. Actually, the more we practice wise action, the greater ease, joy, peace, and spaciousness we'll find in both our everyday life and our meditation. That doesn't mean it's linear, um, because as you know, Practice unfolds and and uncovers uh, deeper layers of our being, right? And so we will encounter times when suddenly there's a bunch of anger and we say, wow, you know, where'd this come from? It seems like I didn't have this before, but it was there, it was subterranean, and now, good, you've opened to it. So we don't want to make the idealization that we have kind of a linear progression of always feeling ever more ease, joy, peace, and spaciousness. But that can't help but be the fruit of this practice. And it may be when we develop enough strength of attention that we can have an outburst of anger from somewhere in our heart through practice, and we can actually feel ease with that because it wasn't strong enough to overpower our mindfulness. And it's just like, wow, there's anger. Just like Joseph talked about, wow, (laughs) there's a sexual fantasy or you know, something that even an unwholesome sexual thought about someone that um, wouldn't be appropriate. But we can feel ease in the fact that, oh, I saw it. <laughs> it didn't overwhelm me. So, you know, it is meant that over time this practice brings us ease, joy, and peace in many different ways. What makes a person happy? At some point we may have thought it was sense pleasures and when we thought that way we suffered and couldn't figure out why life was so challenging and complicated as we were pursuing mostly the sense pleasures. But eventually we come to see, well, maybe a deeper source of happiness lies in ethical conduct. Once we figure that out, our whole being relaxes in a certain way. Why do we relax? Because it's more aligned with reality, actually. Um, Behaving ethically as a means to um, becoming happy is more reliable than seeking the latest sense pleasure. So now I think we're ready to hear this sutta excerpt. This is when the Buddha was talking about beings that are engaged with sensual pleasures. And he talked about four kinds of bliss that can be experienced by a regular layperson. They're interesting actually. The bliss of having, the bliss of making use of wealth, the bliss of debtlessness, and the bliss of blamelessness. These are totally available to lay people. And he says this is about the last one. One is endowed with blameless bodily karma, blameless verbal karma, blameless mental karma, When he thinks, I am endowed with blameless bodily karma, blameless verbal karma, and blameless mental karma, he experiences bliss, he experiences joy. This is called the bliss of blamelessness. So it's totally fine to reflect on the degree to which we're keeping up the precepts. I didn't say reflect on the degree to which we're not keeping up the precepts, and ponder about that and think about it all day. But instead to notice, just now and then, oh well, yeah. Yeah, these are things that I've uh, committed myself to and i um, they're achievable for me. You can be happy about that, yeah. You had four things, the bliss of having, of using wealth, the third one I... Debtlessness. Debtlessness? Yeah, debtlessness. So he means that literally in this case of, you know, you've paid off your loans and. So, for that brings a certain ease. Notice that the first three are kind of about money, um, and then we get to blamelessness, which is about action. And he does this person reflects on these four kinds of bliss, and then when considering them, the person realizes that the other three are not worth one sixteenth, sixteenth part <laughs> of the bliss of blamelessness. So, I think that's just meant to be a very small number. One two hundred and fifty-sixth. I don't know if the Buddha calculated that exactly. Two fifty-five. Be yeah, two fifty. Yeah. So, so, you know, we don't need to be too complicated and perfectionistic, but um, it's worth this reflection is also worth doing. You know, we it, there is a certain kind of happiness that comes from having, you know, from having money in the bank, or and then from making use of wealth from literally buying gifts for people or making use of making our life comfortable. The Buddha is clear that that's a fine thing for a layperson to do. Um, But does it really compare to um, acting well? So that flows into the last of the fruits that I'll talk about. There are others or maybe I'll talk about one more too but for others we provide through our wise action our non-harm a sense of safety you know we give the gift to innumerable other beings when we choose to align ourselves with non-killing with not taking what is not given even you know with non-defensiveness and with not committing sexual misconduct, not behaving inappropriately with our sexual energy. And we can see this, I mean, I'll just give kind of a blunt example. I think we can see it intuitively. But for example, I know Dan is pretty straightforward, upright guy, so he won't (laughs) mind that I'm making him into a straw dog. But suppose I were to find out from Dan that he mostly chooses his actions based on what is convenient and pleasant for him. I have to say that I don't feel very safe <laughs> if I know that, that convenience is um, Dan's highest moral value, ethical standard, basically. But if instead we have a standard of non-harm, you know, even if we don't fulfill it perfectly and deeply down to its total... Through the bottom root of it every moment, if I know that that's his standard, um, then I feel, I feel safer from that because I could, for example, point out to him, hey, this, um, this is hurting me, what you're saying, and I expect that he might stop because that is his standard. Whereas if he says, well, it's convenient for me to say this right now. Um, That's different, right? And so you can even feel in yourself the difference between them, the weakness of one and the strength of the other, and it's a completely achievable strength. So we're not doing this practice ever for ourselves alone. From the very beginning, as Dan pointed out, it's about our relationships. So this is something where we're giving a gift to everyone, ourselves and others. So growing our seeds, growing into, growing our seeds into a certain experience of the world, the world as a place where I uphold these standards out of care for everyone, creates really a different experience than I'm in this world to try to get what I can and not get too hurt in the process. They may both be there in some sense, but the way to get there is through these wise actions. So going back to this analogy, an important part of our path is to give rise to an intention and really take it to heart. Really see what it's like to live with that Kalama Sutta, quoted earlier, says, when you know for yourself that doing these actions leads to, I'll summarize all the different things it says, by non-suffering leads to non-suffering, then you do those. And when you know that certain actions lead to suffering, you don't do those. So, if our intention you know, includes finding liberation from suffering. These actions actually help with that too. Not only in the form of non-harming in daily life, but ethical bodily conduct in the world prepares the mind for meditation in ways that we can't even completely articulate. So, This is worth, again, don't take it from me, but consider for yourself if there's some connection there. And We'll also have a chance to to talk about that in the small groups. These are my thoughts on the fruits, the fruits of wise action. As we do these practices, what experiences are we growing into? What kind of flowers and fruit trees are going to come in our garden? They're good. They're good ones. Very nourishing. Okay, so we'll move now again into a chance to talk with others about this topic. And we still have 10. So let's do um, two groups of three and a group of four, as like, we'll need a few more people for this one. So why don't you arrange yourselves and then I'll offer the first question. All right. So here's the here's the first question. Each person will in turn share an experience of the bliss of blamelessness. This is something that we're meant to reflect on. So don't feel awkward. <laughs> so this would be an experience of non-killing, of non-stealing, and of, or of non-sexual misconduct in some way, some sense that. Um, this action was not performed and you can feel the blamelessness of that. And notice any positive feelings that you have upon recounting this to others. Alright, so you'll have, it's not about the story, it's about connecting with the feelings while you're sharing it. And just just um, talk about what it is that You know that was blameless, and kind of how it feels to remember what it felt like at the time, and what it feels like now to recount that. You'll each have um, three minutes. So go ahead. It's a view that. Okay. So the second question, the reason I had you in bigger groups is because this one you can just each contribute something, and then just keep going around. And the prompt is share some connection, share one connection each as you go around that you see between actions in daily life and sitting meditation. So just as an example, I find that um, if I'm careful not to look at a screen of some kind within some period before I meditate, I tend to get calm faster. So there's a, a link between my choice of what I'm doing in the you know, on the computer or the phone, and then the effect I feel in meditation when I sit down. So what other connections have you seen? And one person can share something, and then the next person, and so on. And we'll just do this for a few minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.